study. And then uh, in about four weeks, we're going to start a study through the book of Exodus. So normally we go through books of the Bible. Um, this has kind of been throwing many of us for a loop, but it's been a good challenge to take one word and craft the whole sermon. But uh, this morning, we're going to be focusing on safety. And many of you might have been here a few weeks ago when I kicked us off on love. And what I said in that sermon, that the fruit of the Spirit is actually the character qualities in the Christian of godliness. godliness. So, one of the best books of the Bible that I know of, actually Christian books, First and Second Samuel. And I love those books because they focus on character. And as you read these stories, you are swept up within the narrative. And you see yourself. You see yourself in the good, in the bad, you see yourself in the ugly. So I think I've got a PowerPoint for us this morning. So if you've got kids, you're welcome. This will help you follow along. And I've got a little bit for the kiddos as well. But we're talking about faithfulness, godly character. That's what we're going to talk about today, the second bullet point up there. The faithfulness of God leads us to faithfulness, leads us to faithfulness to others. The faithfulness of God leads us to faithfulness to others. We're going to see that in the life of David. So I'm not going to give you guys a definition of faithfulness, because I want you guys to see it. I want you guys to taste it. I want you to experience it here in our passage this morning. And as we look at David's life. So, let me pray for us. I've got something special for the kids. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's good to gather as your people. We thank you for this gift that we can be here together. Lord, as there's much uncertainty in the world right now, we know for certain that you are faithful. And so, Lord, I pray that that you would help us to see that here today. Lord, I pray that that you would wash us with your word, that there are people here who are weary and who are maybe faithless. I pray that you would give all of us eyes to see and ears to hear and to love you more as a result of our time today. Okay, if you have a Bible, feel free to open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 11. We'll get there in a few minutes. 2 Samuel chapter 11. The kiddos, eyes up here. You see me? That's what I'm talking about, Zoe. Okay. When I ask you kiddos a question, I want you to raise your hand, and I might call on some of you to answer. Okay? First question, kids. Who has heard of David in the Bible? Okay. Good. I was hoping for a little bit more hands. He's kind of a main character, but that's okay. And what do we know about David? He was the king. That's right. He was the king. Carson. He beat the giant? What? 
He killed a giant. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a minute. What else? What do we know about David? Yeah. He killed Goliath, that's right. Oh, he killed a lion. That's right. And who remembers what he was doing when he killed that lion? Does anybody remember? He was tending to the sheep. David, as a young boy, was a shepherd. Remember? Okay, I need one brave volunteer. I need a, a little boy. One brave little boy volunteer. Okay, Jude, come on up, buddy. Pastor's kid, get up here. You're the first one that I saw. Hey, dude, what's your name? Jude. The Jude dude. Okay, don't touch me. Don't, 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 don't touch me. Come on. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, hey, I've got something for you. Okay, stay right there. Stay right there. Okay? Some of you might be wondering why there's uh, a blanket on stage or all this room. Do you know what this is, Jude? Yeah, it's from your slingshot. It's okay. <laughs> Do you know what this is? These are the rocks that Solomon picked from the river last week. Stones. How many do you want? How about five smooth stones? You want that? Okay. All right, I need, I need one other brave volunteer. Zek, perfect. Zek, come on up, buddy. Glad. Yes. Great. Hey, Jude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jude, 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 Jude. Hey. Look at this giant coming up here. Get over here. Okay. All right, Goliath. Hope you're ready. We got something big for you, baby. Come here, dude. I need you. I mean, come here, David. I need you. Okay. Do you know what this is? This is, uh, here, put these in your pocket. And just hold one, okay? Just hold that one. So this is a this is a sling. He's huge. Okay. This is a sling. Do you know how to use it? Okay. How do you use it? That's right. Okay. Don't do it. Okay. So King David, as a as a young shepherd boy, a little bit older than Jude, but he rescued his sheep from the paw of the lion, from the mouth of the bear. And so, the Lord anointed little David, eventually to be king over all of his people, because he was a man after God's own heart. Judah, I mean, David, are you a man after God's own heart? Yeah. So, one day... When David's older brothers were out on military campaign, they saw a huge giant. And he was big. He was known as the champion. And every day, he would come out with his big, fat sword, and he would march, and he would snarl, and he would beat his chest, and he would defy the living God by announcing curses on the people of Israel. And he would say, send your strongest warrior to fight me. And if I kill him, then you will be our servant. But if he kills me, then you will be our servant. 
And so everybody in all of Israel gets hurt. Even King Saul, who was a head above everyone in Israel. And so, young David comes to visit his brothers and give them some food because you're always hungry when you're children. And then he sees this Goliath come out, beating his chest. And David says, who is this Philistine that defies the living God? And King Saul says, So David says, I'll fight him. And Saul says, oh, will you now? And Saul tries to give him his armor. It's too big. And David says, no, I don't need this stuff. I'm just going to go after him. And so David gets five smooth stones. And he's got his sling. And then he goes out to fight. Remember what was said? Dog that you would bring sticks. And Jude, do you remember what David said? He said, Come to me. You defy the God of Israel. Today I will feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, so that everyone will know that there is a God in Israel. And then what happens to you? And then he slings it. And it hits him in the, oh, right in the forehead. And he falls like a big tree. And he's down. I didn't, I didn't pay him to do that. Yeah! Okay, dude. Now wait. Now wait. And then, and then... <laughs> And then David gets his sword, and he plunders his treasure. And kids, if you don't know what happens, uh, go ask your parents, okay? All right, go sit down. Thank you very much. Woo! Yes. Okay. All right. Praise God. Little David. Okay, kiddos, last question. Thank you, Jude, uh, David. Thank you, Goliath, Beck. Okay, last question. Kids, who won the victory that day? Some might think David, but somebody said, who is it, Gil? God won that victory. That's right. Because God is faithful. Kids, say it with me. God is faithful. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And so today, we're going to see the rise of David. And then we're going to see the fall of David. But through it all, we're going to see God's faithfulness in David's life. Okay? So God was faithful. And he was also faithful throughout David's rise. And we saw and we see throughout the rest of 1 Samuel and into 2 Samuel, that David is this mighty, mighty warrior from that day forward. And he would take Goliath's sword and carry it around with him as this trophy. And he was eager. He was holy. 
And he would win many battles on the Lord's behalf. And he would lead the nation of Israel. He was a man after God's own. We see tons of success for David. And there's a little refrain that the people of Israel would say that Saul, the current king, has slain thousands. But David, his tens of thousands. So everybody is watching David. And he remains faithful. We see him, his friend, Jonathan, and David having an idea that he was to become king someday. He didn't use Jonathan, Saul's heir, to the throne as a threat. No, he was a faithful friend. Similarly, with Saul's daughter, he married Michael. He married her honorably. And Saul sees all this and he becomes jealous. And he wants to take David's life. But David honors the king. David honors Saul and protects him. Not once, but twice he could have killed him. His mighty men told him to kill him. But David didn't do it. And so we see that this warlord, this shepherd boy, becomes this mighty warrior who trained men and then went into battle with men. And so after Saul died, he became king. Not just over the tribe of Judah, but of all of the nation of Israel. And we see that he then becomes a shepherd, not a chief, but a godson. He led them, he fed them with the many psalms and psalms that we love to read and sometimes sing, but he also protected them. And so, he becomes king, and we see that God makes a covenant with David. God makes a gracious covenant with David, and he tells him that one of David's offspring will forever be on the throne. He is establishing a dynasty, a kingdom that will never end. God says, my steadfast love will not depart from you. That word, steadfast love, has said in the Hebrew, it speaks of God's covenant faithfulness. And so, God has been very gracious, very faithful to David. Partially because of David's faithfulness, but that's not the only reason. And so David had a very prominent rise, maybe taller than Goliath, but he also had a big fall, and I would say bigger than Goliath. And so we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11. you got your Bible. I'm going to read the whole chapter, so buckle up. Hope you're ready. And as we're talking about faithfulness this morning, before we read... Let me just tell you, Jesus said, He who is faithful in the little things will be faithful in much. But he who is dishonest in very little will be dishonest before God. So as we read this chapter, which for many of you is well known, let's look at it through this lens of faithfulness 
and unfaithfulness in the wilderness. Hear now the word of the Lord, 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Ramah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his house and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark of Israel and Judah dwell in peace. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open sea. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As you live, and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will see you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank, so that he made him drink. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not put anything to leave his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him, that he may be struck down and die. And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the servants of David among the people came. Uriah the Hittite also. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting, and he instructed the messengers, When you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, then if the king's anger arises, and if he says to you, Why did you go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerusalem? Did not a woman cast an upper millstone from him from the wall, so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is there also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab said to tell him. The messenger said to David, The men gained an advantage of us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall, 
some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said to the messenger, Thus shall you say to Joab, Do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours now one and now another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased her. There's a lot there. One narrative unit, including chapter 12. I won't read that, but I will explain it. But did you see the little things? Did you see the unfaithfulness in David in the little things? Before we get to that, let's contrast David with the other main character in the story. Many people think that's Bathsheba. He actually has three words. I am pregnant. The second main character, the foil, is Uriah. Let's look at how he was faithful in the little things. So he comes back from military campaigns, and we see that he's dependable. He does what he's told. He accepts. David tries to cover his sin, and he tells Uriah, how about you go down and walk? Everybody knows what that means. He goes down and David's wife. Hopefully, David's sin is getting Bathsheba pregnant through adultery and be But Uriah doesn't do it. And there's a reason why, and it's kind of veiled in the text. But in those days, when a soldier was out in the field and he was to come home, if he were to lie with his wife, he would be ritually impure. He was not allowed in the nation of Israel to have that happen. Uriah knows this, and David knows this. Nevertheless, David tries to get Uriah to go home to be with his wife, to know her. But Uriah doesn't do it. So word comes to David, and David says, Why? You see the faithfulness of Uriah and his honesty. And he tells them the truth. I will not do this thing. And finally, the faithfulness of Uriah expressed in his loyalty to his Lord, to his warlord, to his master, David. You see, in the book of 2 Samuel, there's a group of men that followed David. They're called his mighty men. The third mentioned in chapter 23 of 2 Samuel. These are the best warriors, the most trained, but also the most loyal. And Uriah the Hittite is mentioned as among David's mighty men. And so, David writes up a letter, sends it to Joab by the hand of Uriah. And that loyal, faithful soldier delivers it. But he does not know that it is a death sentence for him. So, 
One was a very rich man who had anything that his heart desired. He had many flocks, many herds. But there was also a poor man who had nothing except for a new land. A new land, baby sheep, female. And Nathan says, this poor man loved this new land. And that he would pick it up in his arms, he would feed it out of his hands, he loved it as his own daughter. Very precious. And then, a traveler comes to visit the rich man, who then doesn't want to take one of his flocks, sheep, lambs. So he takes the poor man, kills it, sets it before the traveler for the meat. And David, he gets fired up. And he says, Surely that man shall die and restore it fourfold. And then, some of the most thundering words throughout the entire Old Testament, Nathan looks at David and says, You are the man. You are the man. I have given you everything. Thus says the Lord. within your house, a son will chase you by the sword. Evil will be against you from within your own house. And as you've done this thing in secret, it will now be exposed before everyone, before the house of Israel. as he 
killed Uriah and, and many more of his men and all of the nation of Israel. He, he led them astray as his leader, as their leader. And so the, the punishment fits the crime. It's, it's pretty big. But we see the hearts of a repentant man that his main concern isn't merely horizontal. His main concern is vertical. We call this godly sorrow. Actually, we don't Well, we kind of call it, but, but the Apostle Paul penned it first, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And he contrasts godly sorrow with worldly regret. You see, when someone gets caught in their sin, they're mainly concerned about the horizontal repercussions. And they have this, this sorrow, this regret, this, this angst from the people that they hurt. But when you see the hearts of a repentant individual, you see that they're sitting against a faithful God. Who's been faithful in their life. So we see true repentance here, and that leads to true mercy. Right after David said, I sinned against the Lord. Nathan responds. The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly sworn the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Consoled with the Lord in his wisdom, afflicts this child with the sickness. David is a wreck. He grieves. He fasts. He laments. He prays. He sits in the ground in the dust. And his elders come to him and say, David, sit up. He wants to. He's just a wreck. Then the child dies. And it takes it out. He rises up. Washes himself. Again, the critic might look at this story like, how can you say God's faithful when he takes this child, afflicts him, sickness? How can you say God? That's not faithful to the Lord. Well, we can read the scriptures critically and understand the genre that we're in, but also understand that what's being described here. Not the same across the board for 
this is descriptive of God's judgment for David's sin. It's not prescriptive for God's judgment for our sin. So, in God's wisdom, he takes his child. David worships him. Somebody might be scratching their head, and the critic might be angry at God, but I would say that this story only makes sense if we look at it through the lens of the cross. This story only makes sense if we see God's mercy shown to us. And God's mercy shown to David here in this story as a forerunner to Jesus. You see, Jesus came as the truly innocent son who was born and who was tempted in every way that we are, that David was, and yet he was without sin. You see, Jesus was the son that was sacrificed for your sin and for my sin, so that we would experience the faithful mercy of God. God is faithful. of God, the anger, the judgment that he's true to, that he's faithful to, is poured out on him on the cross so that we would never experience that but we would experience mercy. And so God was faithful in David's life. God was faithful, is faithful in our lives. We see God's faithfulness in David. He's a truth speaker, Nathan. Praise God for the nations. Don't be afraid to be a Nathan or receive a Nathan. See God's faithfulness in his judgment for sin, his mercy for the repentance, and sends his son. Full run to Christ. And it begs the question like David, do you worship God? Can we trust? things that are grappling for our attention here today. It doesn't take very long, whether it's conversations that we have with people, when we open up the computer, turn on the TV, we are fixing our eyes on a number of different things that are causing turmoil within us. And Christian Church, let me just encourage you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Magnify His mercy in your life. Aaron said this verse in the call to worship, but I say this verse every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. His mercies are new every other great And that's great of God's faithfulness, not, not ours, because we have a complaint about that. I was convinced that what I wanted to complain about. But great is God's faithfulness. Magnify Jesus' mercy. Day is day. Okay. That's the theme. So we see the faithfulness of God is to lead us to faithfulness to others. 
kind of what we're talking about today. Luke 16.10. One who is faithful to very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And so you may, you may come to a story like this and just be blown away at this, this man that's after God's own heart that fell hard, probably harder than Goliath. And you might be scared that you don't want God's judgment on your life. That's a holy fear, I would say. In, in light of the gospel, in knowing that God's fear is to be reverent, not to be afraid of. But you might be wondering, what do, what do I need to do to make sure this doesn't happen to me? And I would say, as I've counseled a number of people over the ten years that I've been a minister, what, what leads to these these big, explosive sins that just wreck people's lives, it's, it's the little things. It's the little things. And so let me just encourage you by way of application, let us strive to be people who are fruitful in this And bringing it all the way back to Uriah and David, see honesty, dependability, and loyalty. First up, honesty. Are you honest in, in what you say? In, in the little things that you say? Are you true to your word? Just this week, our young, youngest son, Augie, jumped off the diving board. He feel. He was terrified. Remember that, Aug? And I, and I told him, I said, Augie, if you jump off the diving board, I'll give you some ice cream. So he paddles over, over me, and I'm like, He's like, I'm, I'm just waiting. But he doesn't think. And I think, oh, maybe we can send him to bed without any ice cream. But then, I'm like, dang it, I'm thinking for a minute. Faithfulness, and being faithful in the little things. So all the kids got ice cream before they went to bed. It's kind of a silly example, but I think those things matter. Because like the Lord saw David's sin, and David's unfaithfulness, so the Lord sees us in the Lord's sin. And we should want to honor Him and be faithful in those little things. When nobody knows, when nobody's watching, God is. Do you love Him? Do you worship Him to be faithful in His worship? Dependable. One way that I like to think about this is who is depending on you? Who is depending on you? Husbands, there's many who are depending on you and your household. Whether it's just the wife, which is many, or if you have children. Wives, that's a two-way street as well. Are you, are you reliable? Do you do what you say? Can you be entrusted? And, and kiddos, as, as we've been talking about David today and his faithfulness and maybe his unfaithfulness, kiddos, God is faithful, remember? Let's be faithful to God and to our parents. Faithful in the little things. We have a saying around here amongst our pastoral team you got to take care of the little church before you take care of the big church. And I'm so grateful that Aaron just drilled this in me as a young minister. And now, as I have a fairly large family, it has rung true, and I've seen God's faithfulness as 
and I need to take care of my little kids in my home before I take care of the larger contribution that God has called me to take. Similarly, husbands, let's take care of the little church. Let's be faithful in what God has given us. Lastly, loyalty. So whether you have a family or, or maybe you're single, I think loyalty has immense application for all of us. There's many people that you're called to be loyal to, whether it's a, a job, or friends, church family, or your biological family. And I would say that if we are to be the people of God that manifests and shows the faithfulness of God, the watching world is going to see it and how we're loyal to other people and how we're honest and how we depend on them and how we're willing to go above and beyond for the sake of the Loyalty. Even if it means inconvenience or potentially death like it meant for your eyes. But I would say chiefly loyalty lies not towards others but it relies it lies towards God. And we are to be loyal to Him. We are to magnify His mercy. We are to see how He's been faithful. He's been faithful to put away our sin. And each and every morning, after we've sinned the night before, or as we've sinned when we get out of bed, His mercies are new. We can worship Him. We can trust Him and we can worship Him by the faithful in the little things to us. To close, I'm just going to read a passage from 2 Timothy. It's up there on the screen. The book of 2 Timothy has been such an tremendous, tremendous blessing in my life. As these are the, the last words of a faithful minister, father figure to a younger minister. The last words are lasting. The Apostle Paul says to his protege, Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with the true glory. So he gives them a little poem. Everybody loves a little poetry. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, Hearing is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And that's good news, because oftentimes I wake up, I'm faithless, and I have to remind myself of the objective truth that God is faithful. He has proved it in Christ, and he will prove it again and again in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful. For your faithfulness. Lord, I pray just as we continue to reflect and 
and think about this throughout the week as we've been able to, to gather here at this building and maybe walk online. I pray that this, this meal of, of your word would, would fill us up to be faithful in the little things. Lord, would we be marked as your people who have been shown by, by you such mercy as we magnify that mercy would we worship you Lord, that it lead us to be faithful to other people. Lord, I pray that the word and this passage, which can be heavy, that hits someone today, God, I pray just that you would direct their steps to talk to someone about this. If they're wrecked by their faithlessness, Lord, I pray just that they would see your community, your people, as a means of your grace to experience your faithfulness. Lord, help us as your people. Help us week in and week out. Remain faithful to you in the little things and trust in you that you will give us much to be faithful. We need your help. That's why this is a fruit of the Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name.